Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, I am sitting with Adam Seats, who is the co-writer of the wildly ambitious One Night Strahd module alongside Jake Kurzer and Evangeline Gallagher. They have taken a, you know, a very popular D&D uh, adventure module and changed it from almost from top to bottom. It's I've never seen anything like it in all my years of, of playing D&D, of playing any sort of uh, tabletop role-playing game. Um, but it's like I said, it's wildly ambitious. Adam, say hello. Hello, Sergio. It's nice to nice to talk to you. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here with the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, you know, I had actually recommended One Night Strahd uh, in our DMs Guild corner of the week uh, when I discovered it because I was like, this is this is in this is. Oh, like, I I didn't realize. Thank you. I I do try and listen to you guys a little bit, um, but I life is weird in the pandemic and free time is also weird. So. Yeah, so you don't have to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely understand that. But you know, when I discovered it, I just thought this is, this is so cool. This is, you know, unlike, like, you know, I've, like I stated before, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. You know, this isn't uh, just a, a subtle change where, okay, it's this, it's this adventure, except everyone in the party has to be wizards or it's, you know, this module, but everyone has to be of a certain alignment. You, uh, the three of you really just changed uh, a majority of how this game is played and, and, con- and condensed what could be. I mean, I'm actually in the middle of a Curse of Strahd campaign. We're on hiatus because like you said, time's weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, we like we are we have several dozen hours behind us and several dozen more, I can assure you. And what One Night Straw does is condense the uh, the adventure into 12 and a 12 hour increment or 16 hour increment, which, like I said, is it depends. It also depends on your play group, I guess. But (laughs) um, when when we very first ran it, like our very first version of this, uh, we did it in one big 
14 hour marathon session one Halloween. Nice. Um, and, uh, I mean, to be fair, Jake and I are inhuman monsters who like to see our friends suffer. So like maybe, maybe we did it in 14 hours. Maybe you won't, but, um, but yeah, we, I mean, we'd also sort of started this pre pandemic. So, you know, the idea of, oh yeah, let's get a group of people, you know, two DMS, 12 <laughs> players in a house together. That didn't seem so weird. And then now there's a plague and now I don't want to be near anyone. So <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I mean, depending on how you run it, especially if you're running it um, virtually, you know, it, it can lend itself to, you know, almost uh, like a Pathfinder adventure series, sort of like series of uh, interconnected one shots that sort of pay off in the end or, or anything like that. Which speaking of, uh, that bronze girl is actually doing just that right now, which is, you know, uh, you know why uh, we, we got together to for this talk, for this, this discussion, because I saw uh, it was being advertised uh, she is DMing a, a six-part series of One Night Strahd with Persephone Valentine, Alex Ward, Jen Kretschmer, and Athena Palmer, who I, I'm a, also a huge pro wrestling fan. And I saw that and I'm like, like my two great loves like colliding. It's just like, this is, uh, you know, this is serendipitous. You know, it's, it's funny too, because um, weirdly, like Jake and I are not the biggest pro wrestling fans, although I have been around pro wrestling uh, through roommates and friends quite a lot uh, over the years, but we did actually talk a lot about kayfabe. Um, and I think we actually have a little bit about that in the intro to the book. Just there, there's certain parts of, I guess, how, how we expect people to interact with it or like how we even think about people making characters Cause I mean, that's really all it is, right? You're, if you're a pro wrestler, like half of, half of the thing aside from your physical prowess is making a character, right? Like, and then sticking uh, to it. Yeah. Making it's it a muscle LARP. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's like, it's, um, it's yeah. Wrestling is LARPing essentially. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're super happy about, about Jasmine and all the rest. Um, we, uh, when, when we had very first, started kicking around the idea of like wouldn't it be nice to see this live um jasmine was our first our first pick and um we finally caught up with her she's very very busy uh because she does a whole lot but uh we reached out to her and we were like hey please find some of your friends that like doing weird vampire stuff <laughs> and uh and please put them together and let us pay you and do this and lo and behold here we are so uh this is our gift to you guys yeah, it's fantastic. It's uh, every Friday starting at 7 Central, 8 Eastern on twitch.tv slash that bronze girl. Of course, there will be a link to it in the show notes. And then video on demands are available uh, very soon after on her YouTube page, which yeah, is I also think, bron that bronze girl. I, I think we're shooting for uh, for Wednesday uploads. Nice, nice. Um, we we have uh, we got a, we got a person. No, uh, <laughs> we, we have a. Yeah, we we have some producers who are uh, who are working to you know clean up the video and all that jazz, and they they told us that everything should be up roughly on Wednesdays. So cool, cool, and yeah, for I mean that's for something that is this. I mean, as far as you know, running you know uh, Curse of Strahd or running Tyranny of Dragons or Storm oh, sure. Kingsland or whatever, you know, like you can pretty much figure it out. If you you've you've played in one D and D game. You can sort of you don't really need a, a sort of a video to video tutorial. Uh, sure. Something like One Night Strahd, though, 
definitely benefits from actually being able to see it played and see it um, actually uh, how it goes down. Because like I said, it's, it's, it, it, it diverges for sure. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about like, yeah, we, we condensed uh, Curse of Strahd into, into the short campaign, except the book is actually longer than Curse of Strahd. Somehow, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, a whopping like 526 pages. Yeah, which I mean, to be fair, a lot of that is thanks to the the absolutely stellar art from oh, the, the uh, from art Evangeline. is amazing. Um, we had um, uh, we had commissioned maps um, from. Oh, gosh. Uh, now you're going to get me because I don't remember his last name, uh, but he's on Twitter as uh, a wizard as you. Um, but uh, we had there. There are maps that are in there that are, um, again, great. Uh, not something that we had the very first game that we played, which was uh, to our own detriment, <laughs> but but they exist now. Um, and Jasmine's actually using them in the live show too. She's printed them out, um, nice. which is very so, neat. So Evangeline but, um, is responsible for most of the artwork. Yeah, uh, Evangeline did uh, pretty much every illustration oh, man. that isn't like, specifically a battle map. They um, knocked it out of the park then. <laughs> yeah, the artwork is incredible. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, and. Jake had actually reached out to uh, Evangeline. Just I I don't remember exactly how they had met, but um, and of course, if this is audio, nobody's going to be able to see this but you, Sergio. But um, Evangeline had done this tarot deck, oh, uh, nice. which um, Jasmine's actually using. Tarot. Yeah, uh, Jasmine's actually using in the show uh, anytime the deck gets referenced. But oh, okay, as, as opposed to tra- uh, the tr- traditional Taroka card deck. Right. And we can talk about why that is, I guess, in a little bit, Um, because I know you guys uh, very recently, in fact, have talked about uh, a lot of things like uh, how the Vistani are portrayed and and things like that, which are things that we changed. So but in any event, uh, Jake had had found Evangeline and had seen this tarot deck and was like this. This is what we need. This is the this is the look. Yeah. And from there, it just it spiraled out and it it's amazing. Evangeline's art style is very, very unique and. Uh, I I don't think the book would be anywhere near as good as it is without their help. It, it definitely um, ties everything together for sure. And so, let, before we get too too deep into One Night Strahd, sure. uh, tell me about your history with tabletops, uh, tabletop role playing games in particular, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, so I and I believe I heard you say something to the same effect recently as well. Um, I started in uh, in the three point five days. Yes, cut, um, cut my teeth in three point five. Yeah, uh, and in fact, that's that's how Jake and I had met. Um, was uh, I don't know if you know the web comic Order of the Stick, um, no. but uh, there's a, a forum on the the website that hosts it, uh, the mm-hmm. Giant the Playground forums, um, and. Uh, we had we had gotten very deep into the the theoretical optimization community. We we were those people. Like <laughs> we we were the ones that if you really like playing that way, you really like playing that way. And if you don't like playing that way, we're we're not gonna get along. <laughs> we have since changed. We we have learned. We have grown as human beings. Um, but no, our our first time together was in fact on uh, on that forum just figuring out absolutely wacky 3.5 builds right um, and uh and yeah god i mean i've been playing D since i was 17 i want to say i'm 31 now so uh aside from just aging myself into dust there i mean it's been the better part of a decade and a half that i've been playing D, um and jake has been playing a little bit longer actually because he um 
he's a little older than me, and I know I know he's a very big fan of Planescape. Um, I know he had the yep. the second edition nice. rules for uh, for that, and also for Ravenloft. Uh, uh, that's well. That was gonna be my next question: is what is your history um, with the Ravenloft setting? Yeah, funny enough, um, I, I am almost obligated to uh, <laughs> to engage with Ravenloft. I share uh, a birthday with Bram Stoker. Um, so I have been obligated to be spooky vampire person for a long time. <laughs> right. Um, and of course, you know, Strahd being D and D Dracula, uh, I, I had learned about the campaign setting fairly early on in my D and D career, but I never really had a chance to play it. Um, well, yeah, kind of similar. I mean, if we, uh, if you came up in 3.5, uh, there really wasn't a Ravenloft campaign setting that, um, that had a that had a Dungeons and Dragons name on it. You know, they yeah. for whatever reason uh, outsourced it to to White Wolf, White Wolf. And, yeah, and their Sword and Sorcery imprint. And so, if you didn't know any better, you just think like, okay, this is just some you know D twenty D twenty system or D exactly. Uh, campaign. I I thought it was like well, I mean, I guess it technically is third party content, but like I thought it was like the third party homebrew content right, that right. you know the the horribly broken don't touch this with a ten foot pole. Um, yeah. You know, the the kind of things that, uh, for better or worse, like Monty Cook is known for. And uh, <laughs> uh, for sure, you know, I to be fair, I love a lot of the stuff he does. I remember the 3.0 and the 3.5 things that he did. And uh, the, those are atrocities that are best left to the past. But <laughs> kind of just put his name on anything, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the man Seems does like... some good stuff. Um, he knows what he's doing. But anyway, uh, love of Monty Cook aside. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. And also for probably worse than better i uh until very recently i i had kind of stayed away from white wolf products just mm -hmm. as a whole cuz i didn't i didn't know a lot of people that played it that i liked right. uh, i didn't i didn't have a good community for it here and so i uh i did not engage with that and i didn't have a very good opinion of it and i have since i have since retracted that opinion um uh, there, there are a lot of good things coming out of White Wolf, especially now. Uh, I, I think they've like rebooted the whole franchise these mm -hmm. days. Just recently, yeah. Um, which is rad. And of course, you know, some of the folks in in the live play of One Night Strahd have been in L.A. by Night. Um, the the live play, like literally the LARP live action mm -hmm. of um, Vampire the Masquerade, which is neat. I'm actually in a Hunter the Reckoning game now, uh, which is one of the older versions of uh, of Hunter, I guess. The, yeah. Um, our, um... Uh, the D&D Lorecast co-host Crit he plays in a um, Vampire the Masquerade uh, actual play called uh, Knights of Darkness very cool so yeah it's uh, I mean it's I can definitely see um, where like you know like where you're coming from as far as like you didn't have the community for it and as a result yeah. that sort of um, like uh, painted your uh, your outlook on the product um, just to kind of go back to pro wrestling, it's very similar with uh, with pro wrestling. Like if you if you know certain, like if you know uh, of a certain company or brand, and you know the the people that support it, and you're not really fans of them, even though yeah. uh, you don't really know the product itself, you're not going to be you're not going to automatically uh, you know become a fan of the product. Exactly, like it very much the hmm. Well, if these guys like it, I don't right. like these guys. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to touch that. Exactly. I, I, I will say just a very, very quick, fun side story on that note. Um, I ran a 
uh, a general geekery club when I was in college because of course I did because I'm a big uh, because of course nerd nerdum yes yeah um and uh, I remember the one of the local groups in the the town that I went to college reached out to me and was like hey we have uh, a vampire the masquerade LARP could we come pitch our our club at your club meeting. Uh, and at this point, we had not been around long enough to be able to actually reserve event space at the at the university. So I was running it out of my house. Right. And I was like, you know, OK, sure. The, you know what? This is fine. This is fine. Um, and so they show up and they knock on the door and uh, and I open the door and, you know, there's a couple of folks um, of various assorted genders in like dressed in all black, looking like mafiosos. Uh, and they're like. Hey, uh, we're the we're the vampire folks. Can we come in? And immediately, <laughs> I'm like, mm. like, uh, do, do like I was born on the same day as Bram Stoker. I know that trick. Yeah, I, uh, mm. but anyway, it's fine. Um, <laughs> just very, you know, those things that pop up that are like, if this was a story, I would be I would be getting killed. I'm oh, yeah. I'm doing the horror that, story thing that gets mistake. murdered. Yeah, <laughs> but um. But yeah, anyway, so that's, like I say, that's my thing. I've been playing, uh, like I say, I played 3.5 for a very long time. I didn't really touch 4th edition. Um, I I got very into 5th edition. I, um, God, yeah, I've, I've been playing 5th edition basically since it came out. I have done a lot of stuff, uh, not published, but, you know, run a lot of games and, and done a lot of things. I will say probably my favorite campaign setting in general for D&D is Eberron, Um uh, I, I know you guys have done a number of episodes on Eberron and I appreciate that because God, there's so much lore. Like, there, there is a, there is, there's a lot. And I feel like there is, there's even more to tap. Yeah. I will there's, say, Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying like, there's, I mean, there's always more though. Yeah. In my oh, opinion. Yeah. Um, I will say I, uh, I desperately hope for a, uh, a spell jammer revival. Um, Me and you both. <laughs> That's actually, I, I messaged crit. Um, maybe like two months ago and just like feverishly like look they keep talking about the multiverse they keep talking about like connecting all these different campaign settings and they, they got another classic campaign setting coming back it's got to be Spelljammer. it has to be we need to be prepared for when they <laughs> announce it it's like and so like i immediately started doing research and and so and then of course like me being like the hyper fixated type you know, personality that i have uh somehow like Dark Sun came up and I became I switched oh, from yeah. Spelljammer to Dark Sun. And although I would love to see a fifth edition Dark Sun campaign setting, I, I do think Spelljammer or at least Planescape is gonna be what's next. Maybe even Dragonlance, but we're supposed to be getting three in the yeah, next two I mean, years. Yeah, I I have to assume Dragonlance is coming back. They gave us uh Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons, right? Like he's yep. he's the he's the guy. <laughs> he's, he's yeah, he's the guy. Uh, so here's here's hoping, but no, um, I will say for whatever it's worth to you, I also have done an unholy amount of research on Spelljammer that I'm happy to to yell about productively if you ever need it. Oh, absolutely! Um, like it's it's <laughs> such, it's so cool, but 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 we digress. We yes yes yes. Um, so you, yeah, your your history with Ravenloft is is pretty up till fifth edition, like because you were, you really started playing in in three point five is I'd say pretty pretty minimal then. Yeah, it, everything I knew about it, I sort of absorbed from other people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I knew like, oh, yeah, Ravenloft. It's like a prison plane. It's like, the you know, you get weird bad guys that go there and then they get worse. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's also people who watch them like some sort of weird panopticon. And it's fine, I guess. 
Um, and then of course, that's a great you know, way to describe it. The, <laughs> yeah. The dark powers and, and the domains of dread as a panopticon. Yeah. I, I will say also, because again, giant nerd here. Uh, when I was in high school, I also really liked reading the magic, the gathering books and, uh, back when they still published those. <laughs> but, um, I, I bring that up only because the, uh, the setting of Ravnica always mm-hmm. struck me as very similar to Ravenloft because, yeah, Ravnica's guild pact, the, the thing that held that plane together also locked everyone in. Uh, right. Again, spoilers for a, 30 year old setting, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that was the whole plot of the, of the books was like the, the main character going to figure out like, why can't the souls leave Ravnica? Why can't they go to the planes that they're supposed to go to? And they find out that the guild pact had held it in. So, um, it always struck me as a very similar kind of flavor of like, rather than, uh, the people having imposed it, it's these, these dark powers that imposed it on these people. Right. Um, right. Which I thought was neat. So you get into fifth edition, you discover, Curse of Strahd. Yeah. You know, which, you know, I was, if you've listened to our Ravenloft series, we, the first episode did a pretty like extensive, um, like publication history of the campaign started off first edition became it as a, as a module, as an adventure proved to be so popular that they turned it into an actual campaign setting in second edition. And now here we are in, in 2022 with, um, you know, this huge, uh, both campaign and adventure that's sort of really built on like a 60 page adventure module. Yeah. Um, right. That, um, that a husband and wife team, which I love, I love the fact that, uh, that Tracy and Laura Hickman wrote it together. I do too. That's, that's such a nice thing to do with your, with your life partner is, you know, ruin a whole bunch of people's lives with a vampire story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, so you play curse of Strahd, you know, what about the, what about the story and what about the, the actual mechanics of it, like spoke to you in a way that, you know, that this can be different. We can do something with this. Yeah. We can change this up. So Jake was actually the one who approached me and was like, Hey, I want to do something crazy for Halloween this year. Um, that mind you, this was in like, I don't know, August of that year. Mm -hmm. Um, he was like, Hey, I want to do something crazy for Halloween. We're going to do Curse of Strahd in one night. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't think that's what. <laughs> um, and, and so we, we sort of sat down and we, you know, we looked at the big beats of it. You know, we looked at the, the big things that are like intrinsic to what that story is. Um, you know, we, there, there is, there's the relationship, right? Like you have the doomed relationship of uh, Strahd and Tatiana. You have the very doomed relationship of Tatiana and Sergei. Um, but you also have a lot of like weird side relationships. Like um, I believe uh, Petrina, uh, you know, with depending on where you are in the plot, either having been a part of the, uh, you know, the group of elves that are destroyed by Strahd as he moves into Barovia originally or trying to be his wife and then being rejected or just all of these weird things. And so, like, we knew we knew relationships were the big thing. Like, at the end of the day, that is the moving, um, I guess, the moving action, right? And that is where the dark powers are constantly preying on Strahd for eternity is, like, this is your relationship. This is your fault. And we're going to watch you suffer. 
Um, so we love that. Obviously, spooky, spooky dorks like us, you know, we love a good vampire story. We love a good monster story. Um, and, you know, I think at that point, too, one of the scenes of Castlevania had just come out and we're like, this is that good stuff. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta get on that vampire train. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, I mean, we were, we were ready for vampire stuff. And aside from that, like, one of the things that we really hated was that, like, anytime you would try to do a game like this, like, unlike back in the day when it was 60 pages and, you know, you could just sort of crank through it, like, the, the Curse of Strahd has a lot of stuff. And especially if you are a particular kind of person like we are, and by which I mean completionists, you're going to be playing that forever. Like, you're never going to see the end of that. I've never even beaten Skyrim. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't think I know anything about the main quest of Skyrim. So, like, to to go to Curse of Strahd, especially when you got to, like, wrangle your friends to get them to to do stuff and not be like, I'm going to go punch a skeleton in the face. Like, no, <laughs> it's it takes a million years and you'll never see the end of it. So that was that was what we wanted. We wanted to see the end of the cycle. Um, like we, we wanted to give people an end. Right. Um, and that's what we did. Uh, that's, that's the whole premise of one night Strahd is like that the, the cycle of Strahd, you know, being killed by adventurers and reviving and, uh, you know, spoilers for anybody who's playing, but you know, uh, Irina slash Tatiana, you know, coming back and realizing who she is and, you know, being killed and coming back and being killed, like all of these things, we, we sort of went to a, a weirdly post-apocalyptic version of that where it's like, okay, it's been done. It's been, it's been done. It's now, um, you know, it's a fairy tale at this point. Like we know how this story plays out. What's the ending. Right. Um, and so that was, that was what interested us the most is like, how do we, how do we wrap up the story? Not only so that the people playing it have a good time that night, but also for the characters, like, how does this end? And hopefully we did an okay job of it, but no, uh, yeah, we I condensed mean, I, a lot of things. <laughs> no. Yeah. And like, it, um, I like the, in, when you, in the opening, the, the opening uh, of this, the description is precise and messy as a vampire bite, which it's, um, it's both those things. Like you said, it's, it's condensed to be able to be played and as little as 12 hours, like, you know, like a one night, you know, marathon session, but it's also very sprawling too. Like it, you, because you want, uh, because it's, it's open to several different variables of play. Like you sort of have to, that, that's why the book is, is over 500 pages because you accommodate all that, you know, it's not like, you don't really allow, I, I guess like you, you tell, you tell whoever, you tell whoever's playing it, like how, you know, how, how to play, you give them guidance, rather yeah. than sort of okay well if you also want to do this here's an idea like put it let's put a paragraph into it and then send them on their way like you yeah. give a lot of guidance which you know um for something like i said that's so dramatically different uh it, i i can see how that can be appreciated and it's it's funny too because um jake uh i mean i've spoken to you off mic about this but jake jake has worked in the video game industry for a while um and that is sort of his background when it comes to game design um, and my, uh, my background here, just being a forever DM, 
uh, I've I've read a lot of adventures and I know what I've had to sort of do to make them work. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, actually, I've I've seen really good work out of um, Goodman Games recently with their uh, their original adventures re- uh, revised or revived um, things where they would take older like, yeah, you like know, the sixty page Temple things. of Element Evil, like which is like a two like two book like behemoth. Oh yeah, I, I saw it at my uh, local game shop the other day. And it's like a hundred bucks, but I, you know, I was like, I mean, it's I worth like, it. I, I would recommend it. But. Okay. I was like, I mean, I, I definitely want to get it, but I was also, I was already buying the uh, alternate cover of, of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah, in sure. addition to a couple <laughs> sets of dice, you know, of course, a Taroka deck, you know, I was already spending like, you know, close to or a little over a hundred bucks. And I was like, but I was looking at this temple of elemental evil and I was like, mother, may I sleep with danger? <laughs> You know, you don't need that second kidney. It turns out I really can... don't. I mean, I can function on on my own. It's fine. Uh, but no, I, I bring all of that up because like Goodman Games has been very good about like taking all of those. Hey, here's an idea from the old adventures, and then like expanding that out. Right. I wanted to do that too, but smaller. And Jake, uh, again, because he's written quests and things for for video games, like he was like, oh, well, flowchart would do it. And so we got really, well, I I shouldn't say we, a lot of this was Jake. I I will credit him where he is due. He is a machine when it comes to these things. Um, (laughs) But uh, so we do all these flow charts, right? Where like just very, very simple visuals like, hey, here's how this chapter can go. Um, And like all of the monsters have flow charts. So it's like, hey. This is kind of what this person would do. And this is a kind of thing that everybody does. Well, all DMs do when you're running in your head. Like, hmm, is this orc smart enough to fight the wizard first? Or, you know, would he want to go and punch the... Yeah, whoever's closest to him. Yeah. So we just, we do that. And like, you don't have to follow it. But if you do, then it's like, it's very good parameters to be like, hey. Uh, I mean, almost like a computer to just be like, hey, if spellcaster, then fireball. If no right. <laughs> spellcaster, then sword. Um, and that really lends itself to being able to play the game and finish it in a 12-hour or 16-hour increment of time. Exactly. Like, it it takes a second. And like you said, it's it's uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to have a, a live play of this to see, you know, sort of show people how this works in action. Mm-hmm. But, like, yes, it is longer, and there are a lot of pages that have a lot of flowcharts. And I guess if you're not a very particular kind of person, you may be scared by flowcharts. And I, I respect that. <laughs> um, that probably means that you're you're okay. But um, <laughs> but with all that said, I feel, or at least I hope, that people look at it and go, what? Oh, and then it just locks into place. And like, then, oh, this you know, makes sense. Because it's something that uh, it's actually like, has been in more recent you know, official Wizards of the Coast uh, books, like this yeah. sort of like flowchart idea that, you know, um, so, I mean, I see it so, as something that, you know, might, uh, you know, give people pause upon it, you know, seeing it at first, you know, the new, the new thing that like, I don't know if I like that. And then probably, I mean, I like it personally, because I'm, I'm that kind of like, you know, just sort of, you know, A equals B equals C sort of person personality. Sure. But I can see this sort of idea, like locking in once enough people sort of like have that aha moment. The the other thing, which is uh, functionally similar to a flowchart, I guess, is we included a bunch of not like battle grid maps, but uh, more maps of like a visual representation of how the encounter can go. Mm-hmm. So that like, I mean, yes, there's still descriptions of things. Excuse me. But um, almost uh, Monster Hunter style, I guess. 
like where you know sometimes uh, i don't know if, if you're a monster hunter fan or not um but uh you know there'll be like the the sort of mini overworld map where it's like mm-hmm. okay you know you have this section and this section and this section and like if you've played then you know oh yeah there's like a secret exit between here or whatever so like we have those for some of the uh, what we call them hunt encounters uh where instead of a you should be like on the battle map and like plotting along or even like the old style like hex map of like okay you're on the hex map roll to see how many hexes you go roll for your random encounters whatever um we instead have it where the dm can print it out and so the players have one that they can sort of fill in as they're going but they've got one uh, the dm has one to be like okay make this kind of skill check or make a skill check for this and then like if they get high enough they're like hey by the way there's a secret over here and if not then you just proceed down the the story as as intended um which again is a thing i feel like most dms do anyway you just never see it done out like that so right if, I, so hopefully for visual stated. people yeah hopefully hopefully it helps a lot of people sort of visualize how these kinds of things work and then ideally this is a thing they can take to their own games and and use forever and make their own games uh more functional for them functionality i'd say that's that's the key word uh when describing like sort of how um how the how the adventure is sort of uh written out and how it's formatted um but let's get let's get to let's shift gears and let's get to um sort of the um like the storyline changes that were made yeah. There was uh, one uh, in particular. There's one uh, one thing in the in the one night Strahd text. Uh, it's written: Strahd's basically patriarchy, the monster, which no argument there, except he's generally played in a way that makes him unfortunately legible to every kid who's ever lost a crush. Which I thought this was particularly insightful uh, and true, uh, despite uh, you know I quoted Tracy Hickman in our in our uh, fourth episode. Uh, where we covered Strahd himself, where they explain Strahd is meant to be an example of that original traditional vampiric folklore in which they serve as a, quote, cautionary tales which warned women about monsters and thereby empowered them. You know, and so if you're playing Strahd as this sort of, um, like, jilted lover, like, you know, woe is me, like, um, like, I, I don't have the girl that I love more than anything and I'll do anything to get her uh you know that what's you know what was the motivation behind losing that sort of narrative and what did you choose uh to focus on instead sure so i mean there hmm. i feel like the best way to put this is that um you know jake well well no i won't speak for jake i know me personally there was a time in my life where i identified as a man and i know that i probably also uh, had gone through that, oh, woe is me uh, sort of problem about a love lost. And you're, you're talking to a guy whose favorite album used to be Pinkerton. So, <laughs> and I, and as a 16 year old, like it, you know, there was, it was, it was Bible, like it was Bible fact, you know, there's, you couldn't tell me anything about it. And now looking at it as a 38 year old man with, you know, enough like life, uh, experience and, and wisdom to know better. I, I, I read those lyrics and I'm like, that's problematic at, Oh yes. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. No, there's, cause that's the thing, right? Is that so much of media, like just in the, the canon of media, whether it's music, whether it's stories, whether it's anything produced since the dawn of recorded stories, uh, has, has had this sort of bent where it's like, you know, but you should probably forgive him and give him, give him another chance. Yeah. The, and like, as, as funny as it is to watch Persephone Valentine being like, Hey, Oh wait, can I can I swear? Are we good? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, Go nuts. Yeah, uh, as funny as it is to to watch Persephone Valentine being like, "I'm gonna fuck Strahd." Yeah. Uh, you know, there there is the thing at the end of that to be like, Strahd's Strahd's a bad guy. Like he's like not just like he's a bad dude. Like he's a capital B, capital G bad guy, and is not like he he's like. There are very few characters that exemplify certain kinds of evil, but especially when you look at gothic horror in general, like you have that that avatar of the, you know, like I'm going to use my charms and I'm going to use my power and get what I want and I don't care who I hurt to do it because I'm only in it for me even if I tell myself I'm not. And right. that's not good <laughs> uh it's it isn't it is in fact bad uh so between that and also we knew that if we were going to cut everything down um we were going to have to sort of condense certain kinds of uh i don't want to say just romances but certain kinds of relationships um and especially if we wanted to talk about how shitty he is in that regard it was probably also good to have examples of like other kinds of relationships, how, how other people existed. And so we, we did sort of condense some characters together. Um, there, there are certain characters that are left that are, uh, nothing like their original forms. Um, I, I believe even like Gertruda, uh, who is someone that we lean on a lot in base curse of Strahd, she doesn't do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like she's just kind of there in one of the rooms in, in castle Ravenloft, just hanging out. Um, and like, we lean very heavily on her. There's a, there's another character that we invented called, uh, Detmonger Omu, who is spoilers, uh, a slod who, uh, is her best friend because she didn't have anything. So we have this sort of like non-sexual platonic, uh, relationship between them. Um, of course, Irina, Tatiana is still around. Um, also, spoil. There's just blanket spoilers here, I guess, because we're just <laughs> going to talk about this. Um, we do have two ways for you to run the adventure story-wise, which one of them is where Irina is the Dark Lord of Ravenloft, mm -hmm. um, because since this is a story that has played out a number of times, it is entirely possible that uh, Irina has gotten fed up and killed Strahd at one point and has inherited being a vampire and being the Dark Lord of Ravenloft. Um, and so, like, that's a different story that, you know, again, I'm non-binary, Jake is male. We don't want to craft a, a female hero or female villain narrative where we feel like we are uh, telling something exactly. Um, and we did have a number of... Uh, of other sort of tone editors and folks like um, Michaela Ebel. I, play, I, I never did ask them their last name, um, but Michaela, who worked on Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, um, as, as well as some other folks, like come in and check and be like, hey, is this okay? Did, is this good? Are we doing the bad? 
Um, and for the most part, everyone either submitted changes to be like, hey, don't do that, or uh, or signed off. So we hope that it scans. But, um, but you know, we, we did want to give the option to be like, hey, there is another kind of empowerment. Um, you know, and because the story of Ravenloft is always, I'm going to get the power I need, but at what cost? Like, there is a different way to explore that. Um, so sort of the relationship with power is another dynamic that we have. Um, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into being, uh, <laughs> down the ship list, I guess, but there are basically every character that is left, their relationship with one or more of the other interactable characters is important in some way. And, and we took the time, we hope to try and, uh, investigate those and, and make that legible. So that that was our biggest thing was showing good or in fact cautionary <laughs> um relationships and and how things work and uh without trying to humanize a bad person like so many things have done with Strahd in the past to sort of by way of example of showing everyone else uh and what their relationships look like to show how not great Strahd is <laughs> no yeah i mean it's um if you read the like you know Strahd's backstory is you know his you know Barovia is overtaken by the Turks and his family is exiled or you know they become refugees and he has to spend close to three decades fighting uh them you know fighting them off of, of his land and and by the time he's done he's you know in middle age and feel like he's squandered his youth uh and then he falls in love with this woman who like you know uh, spurns him like, yeah, it's it's very easy to you know sympathize with yeah. with that character, but then you but then it's like okay, well then he makes a deal with you know and something uh, some sort of dark power, and then kills his brother on his wedding night. Yeah, and you know as, as and you sort do. of <laughs> you know as one does, and sort of uses this uh, and drinks his blood to seal the pact, seal the deal. Uh, and sort of uses this as a, like, hey, Tatiana, aren't you impressed? <laughs> yeah, this is the worst version of Jesse's girl, right? Like, yeah. like this is Jesse's girl gone completely wrong. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I can, and then as a result, um, plunges, uh, you know, himself into this, like, you know, like cyclical sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, damnation where, every generation or so he they it, he uh tatiana's reincarnated and he they, the whole you know like you said the whole uh passion play it's described as in one night strad you know yeah. play, you know plays itself out over all you know, over again um I, I will say just as a as a quick thing because you mentioned that pact um one of the other things that we changed uh we hope for the more interesting anyway um is uh i mean you're familiar with the amber temple yes um so in it of course players can go and make their own pacts with the dark powers and this is like one of the ways in uh baseline curse of strad how you find out like oh yeah there's one of these sarcophagi that gives you vampire powers but it's broken mm -hmm. um we changed a lot of those um and not only that we also changed the guardian of that area um, because he has his own things. There, there's an Arcanaloth, uh, you know, a, a wolf-faced Yugoloth, uh, who is there, and generally in, in baseline, 
Curse of Strahd, if you go there, he's like, hey, sure would be nice if you died, and then just <laughs> obliterates you. Uh, because, you know, oh, you're going to go and get all these cool powers, uh, so I guess you got to work for it. Mm. Uh, but so, like, we we work a lot with him. We, I mean, we explicitly give the players a choice to be like, hey, do you want to damn yourself? If so, choose from this list. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, you know, we reworked a bunch of them. But um, but it's just, it's interesting because that, also to the point of relationships and things, I guess it it is easy enough to just play this video game style. And if you're doing this as one big one shot or something, or like not inserting it from your own campaign world or anything like that, like it's easy enough to be like, I'm going to pick the one that lets me fly or whatever. But like, on the other hand, you can look at this and be like, Oh yeah, there are all, there are all these other people whose souls are trapped here. What happened to them? <laughs> right. Um, and, and things like that. So there was that the other uh, just big relationship point I wanted to make out, or I guess relationship might not be the right point, but uh, our interaction with the original text. Um, it was, well, one important thing. So we started working on this before Van Richten's Guide came out. Um, okay. So we didn't know that uh, Wizards was going to officially re-acknowledge the, the Realms of Dread in 5th edition. Um, so we we have stuff about that in the book, but then of course we call it like, Hey, by the way, if you want to use what's in the official book, go for it. Um, but the other thing was that especially, uh, and like I said, I don't like to speak for Jake. I will say this as a point of fact though. Um, Jake, as someone who has Romani heritage, uh, very much wanted to address the, uh, shitty characterization of the Vistani for sure. uh, as they had been. And so, uh, that, that was all him. That was not my place to, to touch that. But, um, we have a different approach to the Vistani, which we hope is a little bit better. Um, they, well, for one, they're fire giants, uh, which I feel like adding fire giants to things makes a lot of things better. But, <laughs> um, anyway, like I said, I don't, I don't want to drill too deep on that because that's not my place to talk about. But, um, but just for, for what it's worth, we, that and, addressing how shitty certain relationships are often presented both in gothic horror and also just in Dracula and Dracula adjacent stories. Like it was important to us to not only make things a little bit more modern, but also give people a different way to interact with things. And hopefully how jarringly different certain parts are might make people do their own reflection and go, Hey, why did they change that? And see what like that, that does for their own games i like that a lot um well it, it is a uh, one night straw is available on dmsguild.com it's also available on the hedger group official website uh, uh we'll add links to both of those in the show notes of course um like i said it's it is a it is a tome it is it is over yeah. 500 pages is there any chance of a physical copy being produced maybe because we hope so i uh, i mean you know, inside of me are two dragons and, uh, you know, one enjoys the fact of being able to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of pages of, uh, D and D material in the palm of my hand. Sure. And the other loves actually cracking open a physical book. Um, and I would, yeah, I would personally love to have this sitting on my bookshelf. 
to to peel back the curtain here a little bit, uh, a little bit of inside baseball, as they say, um, because Jake and I are not uh, recognized publishers of of these books, despite the fact that we did eventually end up working with folks who are, uh, but because we are not recognized by Wizards of the Coast, uh, we go through the standard DMs Guild process, mm -hmm. uh, which is we have to sell a thousand copies. Uh, before we are considered to be able to do a print version. Um, we are getting close. Uh, we're a lot closer than we were when we released. Uh, oh, God. I mean, it was November. So I guess five, six months ago now. Um, we, are, we are over halfway, which is neat. Uh, and we are, we are tracking closer to that. But unless we can hit uh, 1,000 copies sold, then we most likely will not be able to do a print version. So uh, I, I like to say, hopefully, uh, I would love to get one, love to get my great little <laughs> hands on it uh, and, and send it out to folks like you and, and folks who've had nice things to say about it. But um, unless Wizards of the Coast decides to bless us with, uh, with their unholy might <laughs> uh, and print one for us, um, yeah, we, we have to follow the, uh, the same DMs guilt protocols as everybody else does, sadly. So there you here, both of you have not purchased a copy of One Night Stroud on DMs Guild, go out and do so immediately so that we can get a physical copy. Yeah. It would be it would be very cool. Consider it my birthday and Christmas gift this year. As <laughs> uh, is, uh, is there anything? Uh, I mean, obviously you're, um, yourself and, and Jake the and you're still very much in the you know for lack of a better term like promotional. Yeah, push of one night Strahd, but is have you of the two of you been tinkering on what maybe next? Is there yes is, that, is no. there anything you can say? Yeah, um, I will say that a lot of our spare development time post release um, got put into optimizing uh, like virtual tabletop assets. Mm -hmm. um, so like the one night Strahd, if you get it off of the DMs guild, cause actually our link also goes to the DMs guild cause we right. have to, but, um, but yeah, no matter which link you take, uh, if you get it, it comes with uh, the virtual tabletop assets, um, like say very, very high quality maps that are pulled right out of the book. Uh, and also just a number of addendums that we had added that uh, that needed to be in there to make it standalone. Um, so we haven't had a whole lot of spare time beyond that. Now that we are where we are, I know Jake is uh, sort of knuckling down at his job um, where where he works. Um, with a lot of stuff. So I don't know that he will have a whole lot of spare time um, aside from uh, doing some some editing on things that are getting written. I will say before even we had talked about One Night Strahd, there was uh, something that we had tentatively called Kings of the Wide River, uh, which was, um, well, actually more vampires come to think of it. Uh, <laughs> because why not? It was, what if uh what if vampire cold war and also riverboats um was was our thing it i i am working on getting that to be functional um maybe i will hopefully have something later this year uh depending on who else that we have tapped to work with us uh also has time um because of course now the pandemic is quote unquote drawing to an end uh, people are getting sucked back into going back to actual work as opposed right. to having time from home. So time constraints are becoming hard. But um, but I will say for my part, that is what I am I'm putting my time into for us. Well, look forward to it for sure. And 
Uh, if you uh, are, uh, if you listen to our shows and you know that we end uh, for the most part, we end each episode with a magic item of the week. Um, and there are several, there's um, close to a little over two dozen new magic items that were created for one night Strahd. Um, oh yeah. My favorite is the curse of Strahd original manga adaptation. <laughs> yes. Um, because it's so like cheeky and like knocking on the fourth wall. That, and for me, um, it's 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 a reminder that that D and D is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a bit irreverent. It's supposed to be, it you know, not to take you know, not it's a reminder not to take itself so seriously. I I will say we had a running joke when making uh when when writing One Night Strad that uh, anytime we referred to Curse of Strad, um, we would always call it the original manga adaptation. Um, so I yeah that I. I felt it was important that we hide that somewhere in the book. Um, and if you play through One Night Strahd, it is very difficult to get to. Uh, I will say the... It's the a legendary that, item, I think, right? It is. Many of them are. Um, and it does a whole lot of wacky things, which, I mean, I, I'm happy to read out if you want. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. In fact, let me just pull that up here. Um, and I will also say, as I am fumbling around for this in my PDF... Uh, one of the other supplemental things that we put out was uh, we we did a just a tiny PDF of replacement items and things for uh, if folks don't have the original Curse of Strahd <coughs> book because um, we we refer to a lot of those uh, you know the the fancy special <coughs> items that you need like the Sunblade and all that jazz. Um, so we we released a little packet of other items if you don't have that, uh, which I will happily read out to you here in a sec um or at least one of them anyway uh all right so we are at the items and yes curse Strahd original manga adaptation um so the small book is one of many strange extra-dimensional treasures collected by a character that i will not spoil uh a graphic novel that serves as an in-game reference guide to the basic plot line of the fifth edition curse of strad module it can give explicit information about the true identities and original motivations of the main cast of characters that you mm -hmm. run into in one night strad um as well as explain the original versions of many locations in barovia calls out a number of things that might otherwise be oblique um such as things that people struggle with like what's in the crypt and and things like that um, but basically it is, it is the explicit thumbs up that if players have meta knowledge of Curse of Strahd, they are allowed to know that in character. <laughs> right. Which um, is, uh, it is a problem, you know, uh, uh, well, not a problem, but it's, um, it's something that, that needs to be addressed because it's, it's, it's an almost impossible to, you know, if you're, uh, if you're experienced in, in D and D or tabletop role-playing games in general, uh, it's like, if you come into something like, okay, well, there's probably a trap there. Like, you know, if you come oh, yeah. up on a door, like with a skull on it, like it's probably a trap. I mean, like Which, my character probably doesn't know, but. And again, if you're trying to play it in one night, like you don't have time to be cagey. Like, right. hmm, I don't think my character would know that there was <laughs> like, no, this is fine. You, you have the book, you know, there's a trap there. Um, and there's also a, a mechanical thing that that uh, original manga adaptation does, which I won't spoil. Uh, although they did actually find it, like I said, in in the live playthrough. So if you watch the most recent episode, uh, which I think will be up on Wednesday, um, you will hear them talk about it. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but yeah, just a just a silly silly little goof. Uh, I I hope people like it. What's um, what uh what's one of your favorite magic items that you're able to create for the for one night strad? Uh, aside from that one, because that that was me. Uh, I I would say in the little update that we released, um, we were thinking of ways to replace uh, the thigh bone of Saint Markovia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had come up with the Fomorian's Fist, uh, which is a rare maul, um, which I will tell you the Fomorian's, uh, which I, yeah, I guess you guys, I don't, have you done a, a lore cast on, uh, on giants and the, the weird other giant kin? I don't know. I know that we haven't, uh, Crit and I took over in September Right. Um, but I don't think that Tom and Stuart got to Giants. That's fine. Well, as a just a brief intro here, um, Fomorians are a race of giants known to be twisted and evil and have the ability to curse those who look upon them. Uh, whether their origin is related to the dark powers of Barovia is unknown, but the similarities are uncanny. Um, and the item is uh, this Fomorian's arm bone ends in a fist clenched around its unblinking eye. If you look in the monster manual, they have one very large eye um, they give people the evil eye with. But um, functionally, this is a, a plus one maul that also grants the holder advantage against uh, saving throws against being charmed. And if you resist being charmed while holding the maul, you can immediately use your reaction to force the source of that charm to make whatever save they made you make. And if they fail it, they take 68 psychic damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Definitely something uh, to that comes in handy when you're facing a character whose charm spell is, you know, one of its uh, biggest, uh, one of its uh, go-tos. Yeah, it turns was, out. Was strong, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the, I, I just thought that was a neat way because, I mean, St. Markovia's Thighbone, of course, great. Like, and in fact, through a lot of D&D history, there's a lot of like, hey, what if I had a thing that that crumped the undead real good? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not been a whole lot of things of like, oh, you're trying to charm me? You're trying to curse me? I turn that back on you. Right. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. So, so yeah, that, I just, I thought that was neat. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, this has been our conversation with Adam Seeds. They are the co-writer of One Night Strahd alongside Jake Kurzer with artwork from Evangeline Gallagher. It is a, like I described it at the beginning of the interview uh, or discussion conversation as wildly ramble. ambitious ramble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, wildly ambitious. It's, it takes the curse of Strahd campaign setting, which, you know, could take hundreds of hours to complete and condenses it down to either 12 hours or 16 hours, depending on how you want to play it. And then on top of that, there are other, there are several different ways to play it as well, but with Strahd being the main villain as per usual, or another character playing, being the main villain in Irina, which I thought was brilliant because, you know, that's very in keeping with the dark powers sort of, you know, vibe. Like, you know, they, like, as they have this sort of like ironic, you know, twisted sense of humor you know, you see that in in how the um, the dark lords are punished in their dome in their specific domain, their respective domains, and so like yeah, it would it would make sense that eventually they'd say like yeah, let's have let's have Irina like finally get them and and then and then now she's now she has to go through this like cyclical sort of you know curse. I like that a lot. I I'm glad that was our hope. Well, I mean, like I said, you can get it on uh, dmsguild.com. There will be a link to it in the show notes. 
And like I said, I, it's, uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's different. It doesn't look and, you know, and play like an adventure, like your typical adventure, but that's not a bad thing in the, in the slightest. It's something new and innovative. And I think, you know, this is, this is something that I, I hope sort of catches on the sort of remixing of adventures and modules that, um, like really breathes not new life, but sort of different life into yeah. uh, even something that like Curse of Strahd with, you know, when you, with the Taroka deck, you're able to get um, somewhat different gameplay like each time, depending on what cards are drawn. But, you know, the the mechanics for the most part are, you know, are the same. It's just like, okay, well, like, you know, this item, this heirloom is is over here as opposed to over there. You know, what, uh, One Night Strahd really changes it, and and like I said, it it, it remixes everything. It's it's I, I can't get over like like I can't believe that that this was that you actually that you, that y'all pulled this off really. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, it was not alone. We we had a lot of help. Um, the the original bit was uh was just me and Jake, but we had uh, a lot of friends, uh, a lot of uh, loved ones. Um, a lot of folks who are also well known on the DMs Guild for for doing things that we called in for help, and uh, hopefully the the sum of the parts is very good. At least we like to think so. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's 525 pages, 150 illustrations, 12 maps, 60 encounters, 27 new magic items, and 60 plus play uh, quick play charts. Three years of extensive play testing. You know, this is definitely something that uh, is worth at least checking out. You know. I can totally understand if you look through it, you, you start to, you know, read into it and it's not your thing. Like I said, it's, it's, it can, it is very different. It's, it's, it's drastically different from, you know, most of, you know, official or even DMs guild material, like homebrew material, but it, uh, it's definitely worth like figuring out for sure. I'm glad you think so. I would offer to give you a copy, but it sounds like you've already got one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I uh, whenever I recommend something, I you know I want to at least peruse it, make sure that it's you know worth the recommendation. And you know when I forgot how I came upon it, I think I was just looking up Ravenloft stuff on DMs Guild. Uh, you know that's that's as you do uh, as as one does. Uh, just starts you know just perusing through the DMs Guild and trying to you know see how to spend money. Um, and I, when I came upon it, like, just like a, the description of it seemed just so unique and interesting. And like I said, as long as I've played TTRPGs and Dungeons and Dragons in particular, you know, even as fun as an adventure can be, it's still sort of like, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's as, even as good as a meal, like a hamburger is, it's still a hamburger sort of, you sure. know? And so I was, you know, I was kind of uh, interested to eat this hot dog to <laughs> continue this terrible metaphor. <laughs> of course, now I'm just imagining from, I, I think it's the, um, oh God, uh, the Disgaea franchise, just like hamburgers with little bat wings on them or whatever. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Sergio. I, again, I, I would... Love to come yell about Spelljammer if you ever need it. Um, or if a lot of your listeners really get interested in, in One Night Strahd, I will happily hop on a Discord call and, and help you run it if you if you need it. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. You too.
Thank you so much for listening to the first edition of D&D Lorecast Presents, the first of hopefully a new series of in-depth conversations with the creators of Dungeons & Dragons content. And thank you once again to Adam for joining us. And for more information on One Night Strahd or to purchase the game, check out the show notes. Also included in the show notes is a link to the One Night Strahd crew bios page, which Adam asked to have posted as they did not want anyone's hard work to go overlooked. Until next time, eat, drink, be merry, and may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.